Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, let's uh, read Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, uh, we know why we're here. We do. Um, But sometimes we get distracted in life. And uh, we know why you have given us this mission. And sometimes we get distracted from doing it. So I pray that this morning, uh, as we look into your word, as we're reminded about why you redeemed us and what our response to that is to be, I pray that especially during this time of year uh, when we give thanks, especially during this time of year when we celebrate your great gift to us, that we would literally give this Christmas away by giving Christ to other people. Lord, help us to be burdened with that, passionately declaring uh, that we are to enjoy Jesus Christ. That's why you have us here. God, I pray that you'd help us understand your word, respond to your word. Lord, I pray even now, uh, like we will at the close of the service, for every single box that's behind me and the, the ones that join with them, I pray that as the gospel goes out, we claim the promise of Isaiah 55, 11, that your word will not return void. It will accomplish what you intend it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look first at the readiness of harvest in verses 35 to 37, the readiness of harvest. Uh, it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. He was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing. And so the readiness of harvest, the fact that the harvest is ready, it's best recognized in action. You see what Jesus is doing there? I mean, he's out about all the cities and villages, all of them, not some of them, all of them. He's going everywhere. He's going everywhere teaching. He's going everywhere preaching. He's going everywhere healing. He's taking care of spiritual needs. He's also taking care of physical needs that those people couldn't see their spiritual need because their physical need was the main thing in front of them. And look, an understanding of the readiness of the harvest is the first step in our fulfilling that purpose and that mission and that vision. We have to understand that the harvest is ready. Jesus has told us this, all right? So we've got the fact of the matter here in Matthew 9, 35, but that's the first step. But let, let me tell you this. It cannot be understood adequately by spectators. You know what I mean by that? I mean, if all you do is you just like, well, I read this, and uh, yeah, so the harvest is ready. Jesus said that, and I've come to church, and I hear it, and I, you know, I've heard about OCC, and I've heard about Women's Missionary Union, and I've heard about ramp building, I've heard about Second Chance, and I've heard about these things, but you're just hearing about them and watching other people do them. You're not going to get an adequate understanding of the readiness of the harvest as you would if you were in there doing it. 
All right, Jesus is about all the cities and villages. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing, he's active in ministry. And we've got to understand that the readiness of harvest, we, we might get a, under, a glimpse of it, but a, a deep comprehension of how urgent the need is, is not going to be adequately understood by people who are just spectators. We need to get involved to actually see that. Realizing the readiness of harvest is best understood. This dire need that exists is best comprehended by those who are active in ministry of some sort. Now, uh, I genuinely and sincerely am glad you're here this morning, and I believe that you being here is you being active in ministry. I do. We're here. We're gathered together for corporate worship. Uh, we're joining together to praise our Lord and Savior, to pray over these gifts, and to study God's Word, hear, hear it preach, and hopefully respond to it. But we won't be able to get that powerful glimpse of the readiness of harvest in this level of activity alone, if this is all we ever did, and we didn't get outside this church and take if we didn't get outside this church building and take the church to people, all right, we are not going to get quite as uh, good as understanding. This is why Jesus, he was about all the cities and villages. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was understanding that the harvest is ready. He's going to say so in two verses. But I think it's important to notice how active he is in doing all this because that's what gave him an understanding of it. I'm not a farmer. I've got relatives who were. Some of you are farmers. Uh, you know when it's harvest time. But one of the best ways to know if it's actually ready for harvest is to get out there in the field. What if you just depended on, well, I, hey, I see my neighbor doing it. I guess I'm going to do it too. Well, you may or may not be, your field may or may not be ready. What if the Farmer's Almanac, which says I should harvest in November? Well, no, I, you might want to go and actually check the field. And this, this is what Jesus, I believe, is telling us here. It really, it takes a presence in the field to see that the harvest is ready. And that there's a need for your continued and, and maybe even increased involvement, uh, but, but it, it's a presence in the field that helps us understand a readiness for harvest, like the harvest is ready. Uh, it's recognized in action, yes, but it results in compassion. Now look at what Jesus did there. It says in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. It results in compassion. You know, the multitudes aren't visible if you're not out there among them. Not in the same way they are if you are among them. And I'm glad you are, Dublin First Baptist Church. I've highlighted already. But I rejoice. I take great joy as your pastor in knowing that um, you are out among the multitudes. That you're, out, you're in the multitudes of Bladen Community College. That God has people from this church in the multitudes of the Bladen County School System. That's a joy for me, that God has people from this church in the multitudes of Bladen County government and emergency services and, and, um, and health care organizations. I'm, I'm so thankful to God for that. You are out in the multitudes. When you're there, Dublin First Baptist Church is there. I mean, that's the church. You're the church. And so when you're there, I remember one person said to me, and I've heard it. It wasn't just at this church. I've heard it at other churches. They're like, they have a real passion, right, for a specific mission. They're like, I want to get more people to come along with me. I, wanna, I want us to be really involved with this. And I agree with them. I mean, I'm sure that, that would get excited. That would help him get more excited about it and uh, make a larger impact, to be sure. But I'm like, do you realize that you're being there? Is Dublin First Baptist Church being there? I mean, you're, you're doing that as a representative of our church, I hope, right? You're, you're a member, and he is. And I've seen that in so many churches. But you being there, you are Dublin First Baptist Church. You are. Nathan, Chase, you're Dublin First Baptist Church in our emergency services. Praise the Lord. 
you know, Rodney, Peggy, you're at Dublin First Baptist Church in our school system. Praise the Lord, we've got people there. Right? And he wants you to be on mission. Now, look at what Jesus, he's out there in the multitudes. Look what his uh, response was, or the result of him being out there with them. It says he was moved with compassion. So that's the question, though. Are we? Am I? When I'm out in the multitudes, uh, and I see that the harvest is ready, uh, am I moved with compassion? That was Christ's response. And so I've got to ask you, and I've got to ask myself, uh, is, is the fainting of the multitudes, right, or is there scattering and they're wandering, as it talks about here? Uh, what does that move me to? Because Jesus, what did it move him to? He was moved with what? Compassion. Moved with compassion. That's what we need to be moved by. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> when I'm in the multitudes, you know what I'm moved by? Annoyance. Ambivalence. They're just getting what they deserve. That's not the heart of Jesus Christ, right? And so I have to confess and repent and try to ask him to help me see with your eyes and help me to have your heart and be moved with compassion. That's an interesting word there. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek word. It's big. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> All right, but what it literally means is that Jesus was brokenhearted. Maybe, maybe even a little nauseated as they thought like you're, when you fell in love, you got butterflies and were a little nauseated. That's what they're talking about here. He saw his heart was broke and he got a little sick because these people were going to hell. They were lost. They were without a shepherd. They were weak. They were not protected. They had no direction. And he sees this. And this is the call that you and I as believers are to have. This should be our motivation for this. I mean, it's a lot of fun too, right? But the motivation that we do this all year round long and we do WMU and we ramp build and we do second chance and we do uh, early release time and we do all of that is because our heart is broken. Lord, help us. Please pray with me. Help us to change our hearts because you know what? They are annoying. I'm not being real. I mean, I'm not trying to be unreal. These people are, I know they're wicked, aren't they? They're wicked, but they're lost, and they're without Jesus, and they're going to hell. Lord, change my heart so that it's not a heart of condemnation, that it's a heart of compassion, like Jesus Christ had for these people. So much more than sympathy is a genuine empathy at their status and at their state, and we're called to follow our Savior in this way, that we'd be active enough to be aware that the harvest is ready, and then that we'd be compassionate enough to know the readiness of harvest. Now, look at the requirement of harvest in verse 37. I mean, just the fact of a harvest implies that there is a need for laborers, right? But he's going to give us a few characteristics of the harvest in verse 37. <clears throat> After being moved with compassion, he says, Then saith Jesus unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So the first characteristic of the harvest is, uh, I put in there, the harvest is massive. It's massive. It's plenteous. There's a lot of work to do, isn't there? There's a lot of people that don't know, that don't have the same purpose you and I have to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's a lot of people we need to reach with the mission Jesus Christ has given us so they'll be part of that community of devoted followers. That is our vision. The harvest is massive. I'm going to give you a few stats. These are interesting. Please don't get lost. They're only like two, right? So stay with me for you who aren't too interested in stats. But uh, there is something that missiologists, that's, that's, uh, Christians, 
theologians, professors that study missions. This is uh, what they call, they call them UPGs, unreached people groups. Do you know how many that there are? Uh, these aren't countries because there are uh, different people groups in a country. Sometimes we get so like ge geographically oriented. Uh, there's a lot of different people groups in a country. But these are unreached people groups. There's 7,088. 7,088 people, this is a definition of an unreached people group. Less than 2% of that people group is Christian. Less than 2% know Jesus as their savior. There's 7,088 of those worldwide. Is this important? <laughs> should we be about this? Yeah, we should. Then there's unengaged, unreached people groups, UUPGs, 3,146. These don't even have any kind of gospel witness. There's no 2% there. There's nobody sharing the gospel of Christ with 3,146. These aren't people. These are people groups, tribes, people groups. Throughout this world, that have they've never even heard of Jesus Christ, and nobody's telling them about it. They haven't rejected him, never heard of him. This is why we are on mission. This is why it's really important you and I know our purpose and we know our mission and we, we want to get active in it. Even here in North Carolina, there's uh, what our state convention has called pockets of lostness. They have missiologists that have done a study. They've identified 250 in the last five years. These are geographical areas of about three to seven miles in diameter. And um, they, there are 250 of those where uh, 70 percent or greater wouldn't claim to be a Christian or go to church or have any interest in doing so in North Carolina all right 250 locations of three to seven miles where 70 percent of the people in there don't know Jesus Christ don't care about Jesus Christ we got some work to do don't we these are, these are unreached people groups <laughs> these are unengaged even here I looked around Bladen County doesn't have one all right they haven't put one in Bladen County they've got one in East Lumberton they got one in St. Paul's they got one in Clinton I think you, if you were honest enough, you could probably identify some pockets of lostness here in Bladen County, here in your neighborhood, at your workplace. You know people don't know Jesus. They've never heard about him, or maybe they've rejected him, all right? But they need the love of Christ. We've got it everywhere. You remember two Wednesdays ago when we heard about Vermont? Is the harvest plenteous and massive in Vermont? It's dark. You remember last week when we heard here from Baptist Children's Home, is the harvest massive and plenteous? Did you see the life change that Jesus brought about here with these young ladies? And that could, could go on and on. All right, the harvest is plenteous. Now, but what does he say at the second part of verse 37? The laborers are few. The laborers are few. Uh, I want you to notice something. Just consider it because it's after a lot of study, I, I realize this. Um, he says here, Jesus says the laborers are few. He doesn't say they're small. He says they're few. He definitely doesn't say they're insufficient. All right. Uh, when he's prays, he, he says the next verse, pray, and we'll get there, uh, for the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers in the harvest. He doesn't say more laborers. All right. He just says, now I want you to understand, two chapters prior in Matthew 7, 14, Jesus described the Christian life. And he said this, it's a narrow way. He said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So the people who come to Christ, guess what they are going to be described as? Few. And guess what? The laborers who go to harvest are going to be described as? He says, the laborers are few. And he tells us to pray for them. 
that God will send forth laborers. Doesn't necessarily say more. I'm not saying that's not the intention there. It's just that's not in the text whatsoever. Uh, and so my question for you, though, is don't you want to be one? <laughs> don't you want to be a laborer? You don't want to sit on the sidelines and spectate, do you? To follow Christ the way he's asking us to, to fulfill our purpose, to glorify God by enjoying him forever, uh, we have to do this. You have to be involved in the harvest. You have to labor. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more. Uh, if you want, if you really say, that is my purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, there's no greater joy than bringing someone to, under, to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's no greater joy. Is there, Miss Kitty? Is there a greater joy than that? It, your joy is doubled. You get, it, literally, you're doubled up with joy when that happens. This is, this is part of that. We might never know until we get to glory and we're going to meet the one and we pack their shoebox. <laughs> they say, thank you. Thank you for sharing Jesus with me. Your joy is doubled. There are times here when our, our joy is doubled. Charles Spurgeon said this, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. Every soul we bring to Christ, we seem to get a new heaven here on earth. It is. It's a picture of heaven. It's that part of that vision we were talking about. And uh, I, I hope that is what we want to do. You know, a couple chapters after this, Jesus gives the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew 13. And in verse 23, he says this, that the good seed is those who receive Christ, right? They receive the word, they respond to the word, and then they bear fruit, some 100, some 60, some 30-fold. There's no zero option. Jesus didn't list a zero option. If you, are, uh, if you have received the word, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to bear some kind of fruit. I'm, I'm aiming for 100. I hope I get 100-fold. 60-fold, 30-fold. Some, some will bear that. There's no option for zero-fold. <laughs> so what, what, I, what this means is that the few, the harvest truly is plenteous, it's massive, but the laborers are few. You're all laborers. There is no spectators. There is no zero, uh, zero return people. There is no, I'm not into the harvest, that's for somebody else. You all, that is God's design. You're all the few. You're all laborers here. The mission is for all of the few to be involved in. The abundant harvest requires adequate laborers, and God will do it. I believe that with all my heart. Salvation belongs to God and to the land that sits on his throne. Uh, and we get, we get to be a part of that. He has chosen, for some reason, to make you and I a part of that mission that we talked about up there. We get to be a part of this. Is this fun? Okay. I mean, you packed a shoebox, right? You saw the video. People have fun doing this. It's full of joy, right? Because we get to be a part of this. Not that we have to. It's not a harvest where you... Look like, you, oh, i got to go in and do it. No, you get to. You're excited about it. That's the response that we're to have to the harvest. That's verse 38. Now I want you to notice this as we wrap up. Verse 38 says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I love this part. I love it. Jesus says the harvest is massive. Now laborers are few. You're all laborers. And you're few because few are on the way. And you're lucky, and we're blessed to be a few. But he says, get this. This is what you should do in response to the harvest being massive and the laborers being few. What should you do? What's the first thing he says in verse 38? Pray. <laughs> you should pray. Wouldn't you think the immediate response of our Lord Jesus saying the harvest is massive? we got to get it in. 
harvest is ready, the laborers are few. Wouldn't you think his immediate response would be to develop some new program of missions outreach, uh, maybe uh, some new way to explain the gospel, a new evangelism model, and we're all going to go out on this day and this day and preach the gospel. Uh, not that any of those things are bad. What does Jesus say immediately? This is, my, this is a response you should have to the, the harvest being ready and it being massive and the laborers being few. What should you do? You should pray. You should pray. I mean, it's so foreign to how most of us think, isn't it? Now, maybe it's because I'm a man. But like when we see a problem, what do we do? We go fix things. Right? We get active, we're going to go take care of it, get it done, get it fixed. And so that is typically our response. If we're not careful, that can be our response in the church when he says, not just yet. First, you do this. First things first. First you pray. Maybe we should follow Jesus' instructions in this. Maybe we'd see uh, a greater harvest in our endeavors. Maybe we would get more joy if we would follow his instruction. He said, pray. Really, Jesus, the harvest is ripe. It's plenteous. It's massive. There's so much to do. Why would we waste time praying? Because praying isn't a waste of time. <laughs> it's not a waste of time. Whose harvest is this? Mine? Yours? Dublin First Baptist Churches? He says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. It's his. It's his harvest. So let's follow his instructions on how to bring it in. The first thing he says is to pray. It puts in a great perspective for me. What happens when you and I pray? What happens? God moves. Amen, Miss Kitty. What happens when we pray? Our powerful God does powerful things through unimportant and incapable people. That's what happens when you and I pray. I love it. Um, what happens when we don't pray? Unimportant and incapable people try to do powerful things and don't do as good of a job as they could have if they did it the way God said to do it. What happens when we pray? What else happens? You know what? This is one of my favorite things about what prayer does is it aligns my will with God's, not the reverse. Make sure you never get that. That's a gospel that's being preached out there <laughs> nowadays, but it's not that uh, God's will is aligned with mine in prayer. No, no, no. Uh, this, is the mo this is the reason for prayer, one of its greatest benefits. My will is aligned with the will of God. And uh, people will go when I pray, but they'll go in God's power. I, I will go. I will harvest, but I'll do it in God's power, not mine. And I really believe that's why Jesus gave such a beautiful model prayer. And we call it the Lord's Prayer, right? And uh, it's, it's beautiful. He says, uh, thy will be done as it is in heaven, so here on earth. How is God's will done in heaven? What do angels do when God issues a command? It's obeyed immediately. <laughs> and completely and joyfully. And so when I pray, thy will be done as it is in heaven, so here on earth, I'm praying, God, help me to obey your will immediately and completely and joyfully, just as it is in heaven. And so you see how prayer realigns my will with the will of the Almighty God? I believe that's why he did that. Because you know what? You cannot pray this prayer that God would send forth laborers into the harvest. You cannot pray it for any length of time with any sort of sincerity or being genuine without you going. You see why he asked you to pray first? Because he knows if you're going to pray this way and do it with any kind of sincerity, you're going to go. Somehow you're going to go. Somehow you're going to 
uh, participate. So first of all, the command was to pray. Now the command to participate. He tells us that uh, is implied in verse 38 because he knows if you pray, you're going to go participate. But in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. He gave them power. They didn't do it in their own power. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. Drop down to verse 7. This is what he told them to do. He sent out. He wanted them to participate. After they prayed, in verse 7, he said, As you go, pre saying, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, just like back on our mission uh, slide we had up there, Matthew 28, 18, and 20, Jesus says, All power is given to me. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And I'm, because of that, I'm sending that power to you to go. That power is ours when we pray, when our will is aligned with God's will, and when we participate. It says, as you are going, Matthew uh, 28, 19, and here in Matthew 10, and verse 7, as you go. As you're at the fire department, as you're at the school, as you're at the bank, as you're at Food Lion, as you're at, uh, uh, what's the rest, Christopher's or Giorgio's, right? As you're there, make disciples. As you're there, witness. As you go next February and March, when you read in the bulletin what the item for the month is for these, as you go, make disciples. As you meet here on Mondays in the morning, ladies, and sew dresses and shorts, as you go, make disciples. Pray over those dresses in January and February and March. Will God reward that? He's committed to do it here. He's committed to bring in the harvest. It's his harvest. He just wants us to get the joy of participating in it. And so that's my question for you this morning. Are you aware of it? You're going to get a better sense of the readiness to harvest if you get active. And I pray God's maybe moving in your heart to get active. That's a funny thing to preach to this church, to me, because you're a very active church. But I think God could have us doing more. He could always have us doing more. And our joy is going to be doubled doing more. All right. Are you, uh, <clears throat> are you out in the field? So you can see the readiness of harvest as Jesus was in verse 35. What is your response to the readiness of harvest? Is it compassion? Is it always compassion? Or is it sometimes annoyance or ambivalence? You have the heart that Jesus had. How do you view the lost? The harvest requires laborers. Are you going to be one of the few? Well, if you're one of the few who know him by God's grace, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are one of the few. You are. You don't have a choice. That's his mission for you. All right. Is God moving you to maybe get involved in the passion that we have, this church, a passion for missions? Matthew 9, 35 to 38, a passion for missions like Jesus had. Marie, do we need more help with OCC? I mean, could we use more help this next year? We need a lot. Yeah. Always. All right. Julia and Teresa, do we need more help? Always. Always. A sewing group. Even if you can't make that group, you could probably do something in between. Do we need more help? Ladies, Miss Beth, who help in here, and Miss Judy, who help uh, release time. Could you use more bus people, monitors to bring them back and forth and control uh, while we sing, while we teach? Sure. Could we use more help at Second Chance? Would you, do you get a blessing? You are involved there. Is it a time of joy for you? Uh, amen. It is. What is God asking you this year? You know what? I'd like to get involved in that as much as you're going to allow me to, God, as much as you're going to, what are you asking me to get involved in? 
Maybe God wants you to go to Nueva Vida, help Pastor Walter. Until then, until he moves you to go there, pray for him. Maybe he wants you to go to Moldova, next opportunity you have. Until you get the opportunity, pray for him. That's what he's asked us to do here. Do we need more help in Anth? Alive? We could use some more help. That's a mission field as well. Do we need more help in WMU? Robin and Jeannie? Yeah, I'm sure. Where you get an awareness for mission. That's the whole point of those meetings and, 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 and reaching out and making a difference, sending the gospel out. Will we pray? If we'll pray, God will move us to participate. He will. And uh, maybe you have been praying. And maybe God's now to this morning telling you to go. And whatever that means. Maybe it means to pack a shoebox. Maybe it gets to more involved in that. Maybe it means to get more involved in another ministry he's been laying on your heart. Maybe it means supporting one of those four that are in the bulletin. Maybe it means that there's that person you see all the time at Food Line, you go to the same checkout, and God wants you to go and give them a gospel track. Or that waitress you see in Georgia's, you want to give them a gospel track. Share Jesus Christ with them. All right. Um, however God is asking you, to respond today, I just pray that you'd obey. Uh, we call ourselves the church with a passion for missions. I want to make sure we keep that, that we remain that church. So this is just a reminder to myself and to y'all, let's keep passionate about what we're doing here. Tommy's going to come. We're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.